and they, thy gold to refine. What does that mean? Well, I was taken to church growing up, and, they, and it was a certain church. They only read from the King James Bible, and they only sang old hymns. Some of you are like, ah, oh, the glory days. <laughs> so, in my head, um, I'd, I'm learning the new stuff, and there's good new stuff, and there's good old stuff. But um, here's, one, here's one of my favorite old ones, old hymns, right? Let's play a game because it's Christmas to keep you awake. When I look up, uh, you finish off the line. Let's see if you truly know the old goldies. Ready? <clears throat> when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design. Two of you knew it. Well done, Phil. Thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Do you know it? Wow. It's a classic. Well, listen to this one then. This is the next verse. <clears throat> I'll, I'll just read it. <clears throat> the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. That's good, isn't it? Thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. That's what God's dream is for everyone here. Thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Well, what does that mean? Okay, Christmas message. Malachi was written, well, in Malachi, they're looking 300 years ahead to the arrival of John the Baptist and Jesus. Okay, prophecy. Jesus on the way. Here's 3 verse 1. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly... The Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So, John the Baptist is on the way in 300 years. He's making the way for Jesus who's on the way the first Christmas. Right, next question for you to think about. Um, what does Jesus bring? All right, welcome at home or maybe your first time to the church. What does Jesus bring when he arrives? Have a think. What would you answer? Your neighbor asks you, what happened when Jesus arrived? Why, why did he come? What did he bring? All right. I reckon 90% of you thought of peace. Did you say think peace? That's one of them. <clears throat> but another one is fire. He brought fire. Listen to Malachi 2 and 3. Uh, 3, 2 and 3. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. Okay, so Jesus arrives you don't often see this on the Christmas cards as a little ball of fire. You haven't seen that one in the Christian bookshop, have you? Just a flame in a manger. I'm not sure how well it would sell. 
But that's Malachi's. Um, a friend said to me the other day, actually, as I was prepping this, he said, um, Christmas is all about just sitting with your friends by the fire. I was like, no, it's not. It's, oh, wait. Wait. What if it is all about sitting with your friends by the fire? That's Malachi's message. I was going to tell him off for not being spiritual enough, but all of God's people sitting by the fire because the fire has come. All right, next question. What do fires do? Well, they can destroy, but they can also purge, cleanse. When I go visiting with Phil and we visit um, church members, church members have nuclear levels of heat in their house. It's like any other breed of person in the world. So one time, probably shouldn't say this, Phil almost died in someone's front room. Uh, he honestly nearly lost it. Um, nuclear levels of heat. And then recently I was sitting with Phil, but I was by the fire in a member's front room. I'm not saying who it was. And the fire was blasting in the middle of the day. And I came out <laughs> and I said something like, Phil, that fire's just purged all the hairs from my leg. Because <laughs> honestly, it was nuclear. Burned everything away. And um, well, that's what fire does. It's strange for the Lord to be likened to a fire, because that's what fires do. But here comes the promise of the baby of fire. But what happens when you sit next to this one, and, or if you listen to John the Baptist, who's fire-like, as he prepares the way for this one, it's not so much leg hairs that get purified, but dross. He consumes dross. He purifies metal so it becomes glittering gold. He burns away impurities from metals. But in the Bible story, you're the metal and I'm the metal. The human race is metal. And those that sit next to the furnace of Jesus, certain things get, certain impurities get burned away. And he helps us fight them away. Now, if you go to a furnace, they melt the metal. And then what comes up to the top are like the, the impurities, the dross, and that gets scooped, or, scooped up or even burned up. Um, and what's left is pure. Thy dross has been consumed. Thy gold has been refined. Okay, that's what the hymn's about. Now, to tie that back to the people of Malachi and us today, here's another question. Lots of questions today. Um, how do you get ready for Christmas? Let's really get to the heart of Malachi's message. How do you get ready for Christmas? Have a little think. Five seconds for that one. I googled top ten traditions at Christmas. This is what most people do, I guess, in wealthy Western countries. Number one, well, in no particular order, one of them was they make Christmas wreaths. Do you do that? Shake of the head. Ooh, vehement shake of the heads from some people at the back. Um, they watch a Christmas movie. Have you done that one? Some nods, yep. They make their own advent calendars. Portion it. Um, they bake gingerbread to deliver to their friends. No? Not done that? <laughs> That's caused a stir, that one, isn't it? 
Um, they donate food to those in need. That's a good one. They see Christmas lights. Now, every year the Batstones, we drive around um, uh, this area looking for the best lights. And, little tip, there's one at the top of Rida Penai Road. If you just go over the hump, down a bit and take a right, the first one on the left, it is, it's the winner of the Batstone Trophy every year. Because it's a, but it's Christian, and they've got this baby in the manger on this glowing display. Go there. Don't linger too long outside, because that's a bit weird. But especially if we all went at the same time. <laughs> but so that's what people do to get ready: lights. But have you noticed also the levels of unhealthy intensity against just? I mean, for just stuff transitory passing stuff like we worship it like our hope has been placed upon it now the danger of this talk is you're going to think I'm not grateful for stuff please don't get me wrong I'm so grateful for friends family food lights music but with Malachi I'm also suspiciously anxious about like lavish lavish, luxurious expenses of worship and all hope around transitory passing dross, really. Um, perhaps people should be getting more excited at Christmas about something more than just lights or cake or Nintendos or something like that. You see, at Christmas it can become clear that the human race actually needs purging in a certain way of certain stuff. And we need purging all year round, from year one to year 101, however old we are. All year round there's dross in our lives, stuff that hooks us that shouldn't, that we obsess over too much that we shouldn't, but it particularly comes to the fore at Christmas in rich Western countries as we just lavish often too much stuff uh, in our lives and upon stuff, which is just dross. So co I'll come back to that in a minute. Because in Malachi 3 and 4, the great double act is coming like fire. And in Malachi 4, 5, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great day and dreadful day that the Lord's coming. So John the Baptist is coming, everybody, for the first Christmas. He arrives. Matthew writes and says, oh, it's John the Baptist. Jesus says, oh, John the Baptist is Elijah. They're like this basically saying the exact same thing that the world needs to hear. And the, what the world needs to hear is, from Elijah to Malachi to John the Baptist, is the fire baby is here. The purger of dross. The heart changer. The one who sets humanity's affections higher than Christmas dinner or even friends and family. Because if you worship that stuff, it kills you. That stuff needs to go, if that's where we're at. It's quite an offensive message. Jesus is the purifier of priorities. Here's the message that Jesus brought. Here's his refining, fiery message summed up. Priorities have dross that need to be consumed. All of you have a soul. 
sitting before me. And your soul, according to the fire baby, will only find its home in God and with God. Your body likes water and food. Your soul likes Jesus. Right? That's what it's made for. You try, and I try, to make your home elsewhere. Cake, salaries, A's at A level, boyfriends, girlfriends. But what happens when you make those things your masters, they end up mastering you and destroying you because your soul isn't designed to find a home there. It's not happening. It can't. That's why if you do get the dream of playing for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, we often read in the newspapers that footballers have miserable lives despite having 300,000 euros a week. It's like my salary. <laughs> or, or you watch a documentary about Meghan Markle on Netflix and she says, I was looking forward to getting the princess role, but I got it, and it was nothing like Disney. And she keeps saying, I'm chasing peace. I'm chasing peace. After marrying the prince, I'm chasing peace. Now, when you find Jesus, he shows what's dross, helps you get rid of it, and switches your soul to find rest in God. And all of those other masters go away, and your masters all get reduced to one. And that's a happy person. It's so freeing. It's like I've been purged from good stuff, but they were mastering me, so that's when it became sinful. So now, the person who used to worship looks and appearance and their appearance, they become a lot more content when Jesus has burned that away as dross. And it's like, even when I get old and wrinkly, I'm as happy as I was when I was 20. People become better family members when they're not crushing their family with expectations because it's all I've got. This thing has to work out. Otherwise, there's nothing to me. Or when you get a C instead of an A, you're all right because you're home. Regardless, yes, you try hard in exams, but if you get a D, it's like, well, I don't worship that stuff. I'm on a journey of becoming gold. And if that stuff's my aim, that stuff's got to go. And so that process, according to the Bible, can be painful, and it's called repentance when you're turning from wasted goals and aspirations. Jesus sets fire to them all. He removes dross, and Malachi tells the people of God, he doesn't even bother talking to the world, he's talking to church, and he says, even church is now at the place where we're like, I'm not that bothered about God at Christmas. Nah, he's all right, I'll give him an hour, and then I'm getting to the proper stuff. And God's like, you don't even care about me. Um, health, wealth, bodily success. Malachi says, you're going to lose that all. There's a fire coming. Honestly, the last month, so many people I've known suddenly cut down, suddenly dead. Now, here's a question. Is health 
the most important thing to us as a church. Because, as we've learned many times just even the last month, we lose it. We lose it. <clears throat> Health is dross. Dross. It's going to be lost. <clears throat> so it's like, what am I living for then? It's not going to last. We all will lose our health. And there's someone on the scene that highlights that as dross, if that's what we're living for is the most important thing. As long as I've got my health is dross. That is a dross mantra to live with, which Jesus wants to purge away. And I pray for health. And we thank God for health. And life is, in many ways, easier when we've got health. I know that. But our souls are not designed to find home, their home, in health. What lasts forever? Your soul and the Lord God. With you forever, your soul. And Malachi's messages are, you got more bothered by human relationships and money than you are with me. And aspiring to know me and get to know me. You've given me your leftovers. I don't want that. Pur I'm going to purge you of that idea that you'll be fully happy when you're healthy. Utter rubbish. Utter rubbish. One of the persons that died this month that I know quite well was never more joyful than as his body was falling apart. Never more joyful. Because he's not living for it. <clears throat> he's living for the Lord. So, <clears throat> to wrap all these thoughts up. The glory of Christmas is this. Jesus turns everything upside down, burns away um, the world's ideas of what gold is. Gold standard living. Jesus is like, right, set that on fire. That's killing everybody. Here's the last verse I want to read. Chapter 4, verse 2. But you who revere my name, you now, the ones who get who Jesus is, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. See, the glory of Christmas is this. Jesus heals people as he refines them. He heals them. And we can all leap out of Park End in one form or another. Soul leaping out back into King Coid. Because <clears throat> we know Jesus who's refining us for the world to come. Um, St. Athanasius in the 4th century said this, <clears throat> Christ became what we are at Christmas so that we might become what he is. This is the marvelous exchange. He enters our life that we can enter his. Behold the Son of God who becomes our brother to lead us out and lead us home. So Jesus joins us with our lost aspirations, our misplaced worship, our failed goals, and he takes that to the grave, burns that up, and then he gives us what he's got in this great exchange of the soul and passions and hobbies and obsessions. And what he's got is godly, everlasting life. Utter peace with God. Knowledge of God the Father complete peace. It's like he arrives and the world is a G like needs a GPS mapping system back 
to God and Jesus just presses home. I'm taking this home because we're all just, all this other worship of rubbish needs to go. Let's go home. And my people are going to leap with me on the way home. Even if they're in hospital, they can leap because I'm taking people home. And in a world with such ups, like nonsense aspirations at Christmas, I've noticed in the movies, like power and glory is just butch men with muscles and fighting people and winning the ladies and they're so handsome. And so can't we do better than that? No offense, ladies. But can't we do better than winning the lady or winning the man or getting a boyfriend? Or the music videos, they finally make it and you turn the music videos on, it's all just, oh, I've got a big car. Look at this music video. Oh, I've got the best looking man in the world. Look how much money I've got. Oh, this big necklace. It's complete dross and does not lead to joy. So to wrap all this up, here's my final question. What is the purged life, the heavenly life? And I'm going to tell a story, then I'm going to end by reading something about Jesus. Here's a story. It's a true story. I have a car. It's not the end of the story. And in the car there are some seats. And in the seats there's a child seat, and next to it is another child seat. Sometimes that child seat's in the front seat. And so there's a lot less room for adults than there used to be. Now sometimes... Um, after teenagers club here, I take some people home, some of the officers home late at night. And if there's two child seats in the back and one adult's in the front, well, the other adults, they got to squeeze in between this little gap because I can't get the seats out. It's like Fort Knox trying to get the child seat out the car. I need Rita's help and she's not there. So the person, the adult I'm taking home is just wedged in the middle, desperately uncomfortable, right? Now, they can say to me, Owen, please could I have a better seat? Because this is painful. They can ask. And I might reply, if there is a spare one, yeah, come at the front. But when there's not, if I've got two or three adults, my answer for the time being is, sorry, no. You've got to sit in that seat. That seat, though as uncomfortable as it is, is the only way and the best way for me to get you home, okay? Right, now you've got two choices. You sit there and you rage and you spend the journey in misery or you sit there and you trust me that I know best and you come to peace with it. And not only will you come to peace with it, you're happy that you're actually in the car going home, okay? Sit and rage or make peace with it and enjoy the company along the way. Right. Now imagine your life is that journey. The living God is the driver. Nobody in this room will say my life is exactly how I want it to be according to the way I was hoping it was all going to work out. My idea of what happiness will be, I'm nowhere near that. But nevertheless, I'm in a car and the Lord God is saying... Hey, you can ask to change seats and sometimes I'll let you sit up the front and life will be a bit more comfy. But other times, you're going to sit wedged right there because you've got some dross that I need to deal with. But if you make peace with it and trust me that you're in the car, 
and I love you and you know me and I know you, I'm going to get you home. You think you need a Ferrari. You're in a Austin Metro or whatever it was. I don't know even know that's a car. But it's not what you hoped. But get on with it. Make peace. It's like, okay, my aspirations need to be purged here. And when that happens, boy, I can be at peace, even wedged in the seat that I didn't choose. And I'll end by reading about baby Jesus who turns all worldly aspirations about what true flourishing hope and joy truly is and happiness. Here's a quote about the purger of fake worship. Christ, now would you choose this seat for yourself, let alone the living God? Christ, who in eternity rested motherless upon the Father's bosom, has in time rested fatherless upon a woman's bosom, clasping the ancient of days who had become the infant of days. He was up there. Now he's down here joining us in our uncomfortable seat. The infant of days. What a deep descent from the heights of glory to the depths of shame. From the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth. From the exaltation to humiliation. From the throne to the tree. From dignity to debasement. From worship to wrath. From the halls of heaven to the nails of earth. From the coronation to the curse. From the glory place to the gory place. In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes would join together. Born in a stable, cradled in a cattle trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty. No room for him who made all rooms. No place for him who made and knows all places. Oh, deep humiliation of the Creator, born of the creature, woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy, because we cannot ascend to him. He descends to us. My friend wrote a song, and it's a brilliant picture of power, and it goes like this. My God is so small, so weak, and so helpless, there's nothing the God-child can do. It's true. Though mountains are His, though rivers are His, though stars are His handiwork too, my God is so small, so weak and so helpless, there's nothing the God-child can do. It's true. That's good, isn't it? Unless you've got worldly aspirations of power and honor, Jesus turns that upside down. He comes to serve and give his life and defeat death and sin for us. And when we all lose everything and our health and everything and we've sinned for the thousandth time, here's his message. I've come for you. And I'm taking you home. I've died for that sin. I've been through that journey. Trust me, it will be good. Now make peace with it. All right, this is my final sentence. I said that ten times, I know. 
I'll end with this. I can hear you groaning. All right, this will be the last one. As you gather around with your friends at Christmas to, to play Trivial Pursuit at Christmas, Malachi says it's time to turn from Trivial Pursuits. Come to Jesus and live. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.